Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm thrilled to be back in the studio after one week off. Um, I missed it. And um, I want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Holy Redeemer Hospital. Uh, thank them for allowing us to do the show every week with you. And um, I want to get right into my conversation with Dr. Dupree, who is joining us by phone from the hospital this afternoon. Uh, welcome to the show, Beth. Hi, Sue. Thank you for having me, as always, as your partner in crime on the Women to Watch. Thanks. Yeah, it's good to be here. And, you know, I had a long weekend um with my daughter's graduation, we spent a couple days in Savannah, and it was a wonderful, um, exciting time for her. She's actually driving home as we speak, so I'll so, give it. Yeah. So how how proud are you? I mean, I saw pictures. I I was like living vicariously through you, and uh, <laughs> I mean, having gone through a graduation last year of my um, oldest, um, but to have your daughter graduate, and you know, and she's going to be in. Uh, marketing communicate i mean she's going to be in like kind of your business yeah at least an aspect of it like right how does that how does that feel for you as the mom of this amazing daughter to be at this place where you get to share in this amazing milestone with her well i'll tell you first off you know my husband chip and i just kept saying to each other how could it be that this little girl you know that we feel like we just had is is graduating college so first you have that reminder and that huge aha moment of we're getting old. Can't believe we have a college graduate. And um, I, am, I am incredibly excited to see where she's going to end up and watch her career blossom. Um, you know, I certainly hope that she's going to be learning from the conversations that we have every week regarding women and career and, and becoming leaders. Uh, that's a huge, huge aspect for me. And I think, you know, the creative industry is, is blossoming in a big way right now with um, the Internet and technology, the ability that creative people have to be so innovative. And um, it, it's it's so incredibly different than it was years ago. Now, she's a photography major, so there are a lot of different industries she could fall into doing that. But it's a transition time. You know, you and I spoke before the show. It's definitely a, a transition time. And you need to be open to change. Yeah, it's, it's just so neat. And I know, I mean, going through this with my oldest son last year, you know, he didn't have a job right out of the gate. And I think it was um, it was a tough couple months because when you work so hard in uh, your field of choice and you graduate and you're all excited and then you realize that uh, getting that first job, and I, I this is not a problem um, that was, you know, only for my son. This is across the board that these kids are graduating from college. A lot of them have big loans. Um, they've chosen a field which they desperately want to work in, and they're coming out, and they're finding it very difficult at times to find that very first job because not all of them have life work experience. And it's something that, you know, it's, it's great how you have to have experience to get your first job, but how do you get experience without getting your first job? That's right. So, 
Does she have a job yet? <clears throat> not yet. Not yet. She has a couple of balls in the air, a couple of interviews coming up in New York next week, which is really where she wants to be. Um, and so that interview process is, yeah, it's a stressful time. I think it's, it's definitely tougher today for kids to land jobs out of school than I think it was when we got out. Absolutely. I think getting that first job is, you know, I, you know, luckily as a physician, I, um, when I finished my residency, I think in, in the healthcare profession, it's definitely easier, but I'm seeing a lot of young um, breast surgeons who are finishing their fellowships and um, there are jobs available, but maybe not in the location they want or not the type of practice they want. Right. Um, and, and so like the, the life lesson I, I always give them is I say, you know, you have to pick a, either you, you go for geography because you want to be close to your family or you go for a job that you think, you know, you may grow into. You may not feel like you're, you can fill the shoes yet, but, you know, you know you have the skill set to do it. And I would always suggest that, you know, you've got to reach for the stars. You've got to reach beyond sometimes your comfort zone to really get the best growth, particularly in, in, in any profession. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and it's kind of like, you know, the chicken, what comes first, right? Um, I know that my daughter Sarah has been offered some opportunities for internships which, of course, would give her the experience that she needs in her field. However, she has already put in all the hard work um, for long years at um, Savannah College of Art and Design, and she has done internships throughout those years. So she's ready to jump in and get a career, but a lot of the agencies, um, I think they want to bring the kids in, see how they work in the real world before they offer them something permanent. Yeah, I think because, you know, you can be the most book smart person, and I've seen it in healthcare. You can be, you know, the smartest person when you take the test, but, you know, do you have the, the ability to have those interpersonal skills, to be able to make the connections with the other human beings, you know, to be able to take those skills that you learn and actually put them to work? you know, in the workplace. And that's not something that I don't know that anybody has tapped into, like, how do you test for that? Um, because those are those interpersonal skills that I think you can do probably personality type tests. But, you know, the way that we are tested and, uh, you know, um, as we go through our educational process, we don't really get those interpersonal life skill um, opportunities to, you know, it's not like somebody can give you a resume and say, yeah, I, I test 10 out of 10 on all the interpersonal life skills because that's someone, if they're motivated and have those, uh, those skills, you're going to pick that person over the book smart person because they're the ones that are going to be successful in life. Yeah, and, you know, they have that ability then to kind of roll with, with all of the ups and downs of work. Um, I, I want to mention, I want to backtrack for just a second. We, we were waiting um, on our guest today was to be Judy Robinette, and she's not on the line right now, but we're hoping that we're going to hear from her shortly. Um, so we're going to be talking. Fortunately, we have the wonderful Dr. Beth Dupree with us on the show, and there's always plenty to talk about with Beth. I want to know um, what you did over the weekend. Well, this weekend was one of my, as I call it, my work-life balance weekends. It was a, uh, it was kind of an impromptu weekend. One of my um, very dear friends, Chantel, she's a, uh, she's an executive in the health and wellness industry, and uh, Chantel and her husband Trim um, hosted us at their house over the weekend. They, uh, they are, they live in um, the middle of Florida. Beautiful, beautiful area. Um, wonderful weather, I have to say. And um, 
we came down for the weekend in, in addition to just, as we called it, chillaxing um, by the pool and, <laughs> and just, just, spent, just spending fun time together. They did, a, they did a, an amazing event Saturday night where um, they feed uh, children around the world they, through um, their company, New Skin. Um, they did an event where everyone that came to their wine and cheese, they had a, a phenomenal um, sommelier, came and uh, Davin introduced us to some awesome wines and I learned a lot about the marketing of wines and how they pick names for wines because people are going to buy them but more importantly Trim and Chantel set out to feed a hundred children um, every year through their um, through their charity and um, Nourish the Children has become something that's really a very deep passion of theirs and you know New Skin although the, the company you know does health and wellness, nutraceuticals, all kinds of awesome essential oils and things. Um, and, you know, it's a very popular brand line. They've mm -hmm. also taken that globally by nourishing children around the world and have um, fed millions and millions of children. And so it was really neat to be part of that with Trim and Chantel because they're basically paying it forward. They're giving, um, they're giving their friends and neighbors who, you know, have who already have the opportunity to feed their own children, giving them the chance to become part of something bigger and better. So what for me was simply a chillaxing weekend in Florida. You know, I got to see the passion and purpose of some very dear friends of ours and how they're using, you know, their you know, network of friends to pay it forward to, to feed children all around the world. So it was pretty cool. Very cool. Say. Yeah, very cool. And isn't that, what an incredible, um, one of the things that, you know, comes from being successful. I mean, I, I'm familiar with New Skin. That's a, it's a major company. Um, and when I think about women and, you know, striving to be leaders and striving to be successful, when you've reached a certain pinnacle, it gives you that freedom and the ability to then choose areas that are important to you and give back. That's such a great gift. And that, that's what was so neat is that, um, you know, I've known that New Skin has this, and for $25 a month, it feeds, it, $25 feeds a child for a month with, you know, high-protein, high great nutritious foods. And, you know, Trim and Chantel, do, I don't know how they got into it a couple years ago, just it was one of the things that they had an opportunity to do. And as they became successful in their business, um, it became something that, you know, uh, and Chantel will tell me, yeah, I'm doing, a, I'm doing an event, you know, and she does it pretty much every month. And I think their goal was to feed like 100 children a year. And just this month, just with their event, I think we, they fed 40 or 50. So it was just really neat to, to see that and to educate people about, you know, it does, you know, for $25, my God, people spend that much at Starbucks in a month. Yes. And and to, to think that that $25 can take a child who has nothing and has no nutritional value in their diet and kind of change that person's world. Um, it's something that I'm going to be part of every month with her. I'm going to become one of her ambassadors, as she calls them, because ambassadors make the commitment, you know, and for... For you know, fifty or hundred, I think I'm probably gonna do the hundred dollars a month because I'm figuring we have a family of four. So if I can feed a family of four for a hundred dollars a month, that's a pretty awesome opportunity wow. to pay it forward in the world. And you know, it's um, it's a little thing that's a big thing, mm -hmm. um, but you know, it took somebody to start it. I mean, she decided that 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 you know she was growing her business through Newskin, so she decided to grow her, you know, to grow her own um, philanthropic life 
through a business that she really, really values. And I love that the scientists there created this, these um, Nourish the Children packs that can actually give these kids exactly what they need. You're not just giving them a bowl of rice. You're giving them, you know, the, the nutrients that they need to grow strong and grow healthy. Because if, um, you know, as I said before, I know I've done this, said this before on the show, our health is our greatest of wealth. And if we can't begin to give children the opportunity you know, to have food and clean water and a place to, to live, you know, they don't have the opportunity then to go on like our children did and go to college and become successful. And, you know, if your biggest life stress is you've graduated from college and you don't have a job, not a huge stress because you've, you're already, you know, you're so far down that road to success. You've already gone so far. But for so many people in the world, they don't have the basics. They don't have the shelter and the food and the clean water. And right. You know, I see it on the medical missions that I go on where um, everyone says, well, why do you do that? There's so much here. Like, you could go to Trenton and you could go to Camden. And I said, yeah, but you know what? You know, I can spend seven days in a third world country and change, you know, 70 or 80, 80 people's lives that might otherwise never have that opportunity. And that's something that I feel is, you know, is worth my time to do. And I also think it, it speaks volumes to um, other people around me to see that, yeah, I'm successful in my job. I, I, I think I'm a very good breast cancer surgeon and a very good integrative physician. Um, but it's just one more thing. Like, you know, the, the thing is not, it shouldn't be why do it, it's why not. That's why right. not put it out there? Right, right. And, and what, what um, why did she choose that cause, Beth? Do you know why? Um, well, Chantal grew up in South Africa, and I think that uh, her ability to, um, to, make a difference, you know, knowing, knowing what, what happens in the country where she came from um, is a big deal. I think it, it, it gave her, you know, she knows that a lot of these kids in Africa are being fed. So um, I actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to text her and see if I can get her to call into the show because since our guest is um, tardy at this point, yeah. I could probably get her to call in. Well, that would be fantastic. What a great idea. Um, for the listeners, I just want to remind that we're, I'm on the phone with Dr. Beth Dupree, um, breast surgeon and head of surgery at Holy Redeemer Hospital. And we were due to have Judy Robinette join us on the show today. And, uh, whatever, for whatever reason, um, she hasn't been able to connect with us. So, um, Beth has been sharing the story about her weekend in Florida with Chantal. What is Chantal's last name, Beth? Chantal Selvag, S-E-L-V-A-G. She's married to a Norwegian. And is she the founder of New Skin? Or oh, God. What's her she, wishes she, she wishes she was. Okay. Uh, no, she's, <laughs> she started, her story's pretty incredible. She started out um, as a dancer. She was a, a ballet dancer in South Africa. And uh, in order to kind of have the world experience, a job on Royal Caribbean and uh, worked her way up. Um, okay. So that's how she got to where she is. Okay, and great. And I am trying to text her now. I got the number right. 610-664-4100, correct? You got it. That's it. Yep. Awesome. Well, hopefully she's going to call us and okay. we'll be able to talk to her about it. But um, anyway, I was uh, I was trying to also explain to you about how this weekend was part of my work-life balance yes. Uh, process. Yes. Let's talk, and, tell, um, talk about why exactly you did that. 
Well, um, you know what I do every day. I get to call people and unfortunately tell them they have cancer. And one of the things that I try to promote with my patients is creating that balance. And, and like you had mentioned to me before, that can be stressful in and of itself is trying to create balance because then you get stressed out because you think you're out of balance. So right. The, right. The, way that, the way that I have kind of unfolded this now um, is that uh, there's only so many hours in the day. Um, and if I overschedule everything, then I feel like I don't get anything done. So what I've tried to do is create little pieces of um, chunks of time that I can actually get to a place where I say, okay, I've crossed that off my list. So one of the things that I made a commitment to um, in this year, 2015, was to really focus on nutrition because nutrition is something that I absolutely 100% talk to my patients about because we are only as healthy as the foods that we put into our bodies. And I told you some of that came from giving, you know, giving the lecture at the American Society of Breast Surgeons to, you know, 1,500 surgeons about the importance of what nutrition is to our patients and that as healthcare providers in the United States, we typically um, do not spend enough time um, educating our patients about what we need to eat. So anyway, um, I decided that if I was going to continue to have these conversations with my patients, I had to see how, how is easy is it or how much um, e effort does it require to, to change how you eat and what you eat and, and why you eat it. And so um, that was the first thing that I bit off, no pun intended. Right. Um, but, but I started by, you know, making kind of Sunday my, my day to figure out what, what my choices for the week were going to be to try to clear my house of the things that, you know, the, the things you can grab when you stress eat. And um, it's actually been, I've been, actually been pretty successful. I'm very happy to say that now it's not, it's not a labor anymore. I actually can just, you know, do my day. I, I pack my lunch, and it's funny. The, the girls in the OR were laughing today because they, I pulled out my, uh, I pulled out my salad and uh, and my hummus and my green beans and my, you know, almonds and raisins, and they're laughing. They're like, why don't you just dump the bag out of the table and let us see? And I'm like, well, I said, guys, here's the deal. You know, you keep telling me that I look like I'm in great shape, and and you know that, you know, how do you do it? And you have all this energy, and it's like. It makes a difference the food, the foods that we choose to eat. So that was my first thing. So for I would say for the first five or six weeks, it's not that it was a struggle, but it was it was something that I had to consciously always go back to. You know, is this good or bad for me? Is this something that I should be eating? And so once I got the food thing, the nutrition thing down, mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't mean you know I do the 90-10 rule, 90% of the time. I'm, I'm, you know, following all my food rules. Right. The other 10% of the time, I'm just living. So um, once I completed the food part of my, you know, okay, improving my nutrition, I was starting to feel better. And I was like, okay, now i got to get back into my regular exercise mode. So it wasn't that I said, okay, on January 1st, I'm going to meditate 20 minutes a day. I'm going to exercise 30 minutes a day, and I'm going to change my diet because that would have been so stressful. Because I, I had kind of gotten a little bit out of control and out of whack where you, I let life get in the way. I let, I let travel and other things get in the way. So, you know, you conquer one thing at a time. And now, you know, it's uh, June 1st. And I can honestly tell you, like, I have been eating a much healthier diet and I feel great. Um, I am making it to the gym 
three times a week or, or running on the canal or doing whatever. And, you know, it does help that it's now light longer and, and I can get out during the daytime. And um, I'm trying to get in my 20 minutes of meditation. I don't get to do it every day, but usually about four or five days a week. And the thing that's amazing, Sue, is that I found out that when I do that and when, I, when I'm kind of on it and I'm in that, I'm in that groove, the flow of your life changes. It's like suddenly you free up these other spaces because I'm not thinking about all the stuff. I, I kind of know that I'm going to do it. I, at nighttime, you know, I pack my bag for the gym. I pack my lunch for the next day. And so when I get up in the morning, it's all done. It's not like I'm, you know, scrambling, trying to figure out, oh, you know, am I going to get to exercise today? I just assume that I'm going to. And here's the thing. Like, let's say that tonight I, I have a consult when, the, when we're done with the show. I have to go back to the office and see a breast cancer, a newly diagnosed breast cancer patient. And, you know, hopefully that will be from 3.30 till 5. But if this person needs more time and I can't leave the office at 5 o'clock, it doesn't, you know, I'm not going to be stressed about it because, you know what, I can take the same sneakers that I packed and go to the, you know, I can do plan B instead of going to the gym to do a workout with my group. I can go to the canal and take a run or do something else. So um, I think part of that's like the maturing process of realizing like you don't, if you get so stuck into, you know, seeing what you want or how you want to do it, that you miss the opportunities. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's well, first of all, you have to be you have to be flexible, right? Because our day never goes as planned ever. So you can ha- you know, you can have a whole schedule laid out for um, you know, when you're going to exercise and when you're going to work and when you're going to pay attention to family and um 9 times out of 10 that will change. So probably the the thing that you're doing with the exercise and the eating right is making you feel better. And so when those changes come about and those turns in the day, you're able to adapt and, and kind of go with the flow without that stress factor. But, you know, what I want to know is when, aside from the exercise and eating all the right things, how are you, um, you know, and ba- the word balance is always kind of tricky, but balancing all of the activities and the things that you do in your day. So, in other words, choosing to give your time. Obviously, work is not an option. You're, you're working and you have patience, um, but you have a foundation and you travel and you speak um, and, and you're, you know, involved in numerous organizations. <clears throat> Excuse me. So... Talk about how you find the balance with all of that activity, all of that life activity, um, and still remain, um, I guess, free to do, you know, to to do the exercise that you should be doing and, and eating well. Well, it's about it's not about finding balance, it's about creating balance. And I've I've joked about this where I tell the women, you know, it's like you don't open the cupboard and find a box of balance sitting on your shelf. Right. Um, <laughs> we can't that, buy that, it. That that would be easy and. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's really about creating balance and chaos because um, life can become very chaotic, particularly, you know, and I, I have to tell you, my, I mean, compared to my partners who have young children, you know, my children are now, you know, one's in college and, and one is grown and, you know, out of the house living on his own. So um, I don't have that other, the, the, the intangible factor of which child's going to throw a temper tantrum tonight or who's, you yeah. know, who's going who's gonna to get out of bed when I put you to bed, when I'm trying to get on the treadmill or do whatever. So I do have to say that I am very fortunate that this midlife, and I can't even believe I just said that I'm midlife, but I am, because um, if, if I live to be 108, that, that would probably be a miracle. But um, this midlife place has, affords the opportunity to kind of take a step back and say, okay, what are my gifts in life? And 
it's kind of like your SWOT analysis. You know, what are your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? And I look at my strengths. I, I'm a very good doctor, and I know that if I stay in my office and only do surgery on the people that come to my office, I could be busy 24-7. I could never take a break and constantly operate, and that would be no good. Um, I realize also that all the surgery that I do in my office, um, it might be able to remove physically a cancer from a person, you know, and, and render someone cancer-free, but it's not going to guarantee that that person can heal. So that's where the, the work of the Healing Consciousness Foundation comes into play because the foundation is such an integral part to how we care for our patients here at Holy Redeemer. I mean, our, you know, care, comfort, and heal is the um, is our motto with Holy Redeemer, um, and you know, the, the care is easy. That's what we do surgically. Um, the comfort is really the mission that has come from the sisters. And the heal is the part that, you know, you can cure patients, but you can't guarantee that they heal. And you can heal patients, but you can't always guarantee that they're going to be cured. So the work that I do with the foundation has been amazing because what it does is it gives me the tools and the um, the, the tangible practitioners that I can then refer my patients to knowing that they're going to get exactly what they need. So, like, for example, this Thursday I'm speaking at our breast cancer support group, and I'm talking about, you know, reducing the risk of recurrence, lifestyle modification. I have a great organization called Cancer Around coming to talk about um, a uh, cancer distress tool so that we can identify when our patients are, are in a distressed place. And our foundation is also doing a journey to healing where we're going to be um, educating all of the breast cancer survivors about all of the opportunities that they have through the foundation. And it's, it's like for me to spend three hours this Thursday night to do this, it's like money in the bank because I'm educating our um, survivors who some of them have already gone through the process and utilized the services and now it may be their their time that they really want to give back so we're going to give them a chance to be able to give back if they want to to volunteer to do something um, and I've also you know my I have an executive director of the foundation and we have an amazing volunteer um, foundation board so that I get to be kind of that high level looking um, at the big vision and the big picture um, and I have a lot of people that are also passionate about it as well because they see the changes in the patients occurring. So that's how I manage the foundation. And then there's, you know, my teaching. And, and uh, a lot of people have asked me, why do you travel and teach? And um, I was just in Tucson last week at a uh, at Medtronic Advanced Energy's national sales meeting, and they make this amazing device called the Peak Plaza Blade that, that we use for our um, breast cancer surgeries. And... What I found out at that meeting was um, Dr. Scarlett, the plastic surgeon I work with, and I have been part of a group of physicians who've trained over 400 doctors this year in these advanced surgical techniques. So those 400 doctors in turn then go out and let's say that they treat 100 patients apiece. You can do the math. You can see how it's exponential where if I stayed home, I could probably take care of 150 patients. But now if I'm training 400 doctors to treat another 100 patients, you know, there's 4,000 and then it grows to 8,000 and it's, it becomes exponential. So that time that I spend teaching, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm fairly good at public speaking, so when I get in front of a room, I can usually inspire people to um, step out of their comfort zone and begin to, you know, adopt a technology that they may not have had comfort with before. So 
if I look at it, you know, those are, those are, you know, and then there's my family bucket, which is making sure that I, you know, take time. And we're actually, Dean graduates in three years, and we already started planning his graduation trip because they want to go watch a Formula One race. So I said, if we're going to do that, i got to start planning three years in advance. So it's, it's really about balancing between the family and the work and then my things that I'm passionate about, which are the education and the foundation, because those are things that are going to be here way beyond the time that I, you know, beyond the time that I'm here. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are the, that's that legacy that you leave so that, you know, 40 years from now, um, you know, people will, may remember that I had something to do with shifting how we care for patients. You know, it's so true. And, and you know, prioritizing is something that I think, you know, you have to do every day, all day long. I I heard a great uh, quote this morning I wanted to share with you. A woman said, she was actually a guest on this show, Susan Jacobs, and she posted on Facebook that the first 50 years are for learning and the second 50 years are for living. So isn't that great? I mean, really, to, to for women that are um, later in life or midlife, to you know have that opportunity to do the things that we want to do, but we have already learned so much. We've made a lot of mistakes, and so it's a great time um, for just doing it better. You know, living living better and, and more with that balance. And you know, it's, it's funny because I, you know, if you had asked me when I started in medical school. You know, would I be traveling to China or California or Florida on a regular basis to teach? I'd say, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I did not see myself as being that person to be traveling, teaching, speaking, doing everything. But it was particularly because I didn't do well in public speaking in high school. But what did Mr. Miller know? Seriously. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> but but what's what's great is that, you know, I think as we, as we um, mature in life, um, opportunities present themselves, and it's, it's, the, it's the ability to release any resistance to change that allows women to have the opportunity to move into newer roles. That's right. And, you know, I mean, I love my role as a wife and a mom. I mean, I love my, my kids are amazing, and they're, like, the most important thing in the world to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the greatest gift that I can give them is to go through life um, and be fearless and, and not and not step away from opportunity but step into opportunity regardless of you know what the outcome is i mean my my kids lived through the opening and closing of the hospital in ben salem and believe me that was a very stressful time for them to live through with me because it was you know i told you i told you in a previous interview was it was a very heart-wrenching process but it taught them that you know what you got to go for the gusto but it's okay to fail and so many children are not given the opportunity to see that when they say failure is not an option, well, then what is the option if you're not allowed to fail? If you've never, if you, if you come from a place where you're not allowed to try something that stretches you or, or puts you out of your comfort zone, you know, then are you, how, how, do you, how do you comfort a kid who doesn't succeed at something, you know, or doesn't get the trophy or, you know, doesn't get on the varsity team. I mean, we, we, we are, it's one of my pet peeves in life now is that we're, we're almost in a place where kids aren't given that opportunity to learn how to pick up the pieces from failure and move forward because you learn so much through the process. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to talk more about that. We're going to take a quick break, Beth. And when we come back, I want to talk more about that, kind of allowing yourself uh, to fail, especially for women. We will be back in just a moment.
There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography and automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram. Are you looking for something special to wear to an event, on a date, or out with the girls? Nevada is a Philadelphia-based luxury label designed for the effortlessly chic global nomad. Our ready-to-wear and custom pieces, which include bridal wear, by the way, are inspired by artistry and travel. The line is intriguing and exotic. After all, fashion should create a sense of escape. So go ahead, escape with Nevada, and make a timeless impression. Please visit us online at nevadacouture.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm being joined this afternoon by Dr. Beth Dupree, who you um, many of you know is, is our co-host here at Women to Watch. And she is also the Director of Integrative Medicine and Surgery at Holy Redeemer Hospital. Um, we, of course, are talking about, you know, the, the work-life balance um, that we all struggle for, and specifically women who tend to take on numerous roles, I think, at one time. One of the things, Beth, I think would be a great topic to talk about because it's a conversation I had this morning with a woman who's going to be on the show next fall, uh, believe it or not, is this topic of uh, women in particular. I think this is something we do more than men. Um it's labeled the imposter syndrome. Um, I think that we tend to try to always uh, appear as though we have it all together, when in reality there's always things going on in our lives behind the scenes that are difficult. And one of the things that I find, you know, just so fascinating is when women are a little bit more open about the things, the adversities that they're facing behind their professional roles, it really does allow for more success. In other words, it's it's those things that are happening behind the scenes that help you build the resilience. And how can we get women to stop doing, uh, stop holding on to that imposter syndrome and allowing themselves to be authentic and real in the workplace? Yeah, and that's I, I think that's one of the. I was talking to uh, one of my uh, nurse managers today, who I love, and. Uh, you know, we were talking about me in the role of chairman of the Department of Surgery. And um, she's like, she goes, well, I don't, like, I don't want you to leave this job. And I said, well, you know, it's not that I don't like this job. Um, it's, it's that this is at this point in my life, you know, and I'm pretty honest about it. It's like, obviously, somebody has to do it. Um, but, you know, I, I want to use my gifts in other ways. So now the challenge for me is, is being able to help develop another leader, develop some, you know, help somebody step into this role, you know, to lead this department. And one of the reasons why I think I've been at least partially successful in this role is because I, I'm not an imposter about it. I, I kind of put it right out there. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, I'm not afraid to say that I don't know when I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and when I need to solve problems, I don't try to solve them by myself. I try to reach out to other people and I think one of the things that a lot of women do is you, you think that if you ask for help or if you show your vulnerability, then you're basically telling the world that you can't do it or that you're not, you, that you, you 
you, you don't want to ask for help. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in asking for help. Um, I don't have all the answers. Um, I, I do know that, you know, some of the so – there's a lot of crossover in life with um, – with what we do, and I think because I've had to call patients for years and tell them they have cancer, I know how to have a difficult conversation. And one of the things in leadership, and I do see that, that there is the, this imposter aspect in leadership, when you can tell when people are so uncomfortable um, in bringing up a subject or discussing something, um, and they are, they're pretending to be tough, and, and what, you know, when inside you may want to cry, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes, so, yes. So I think that 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 imposter syndrome m- might be something that everybody. I mean, I I see I certainly see it in young doctors when they're first coming out because they're supposed to act all confident and fabulous, and I have all the answers because I'm the doctor. And you know, I say to them, the sooner you get over that, the better off you're going to be. That's because right. you know, if a patient comes in the office and asks me about something random. And I have absolutely no idea what it is. I'm going to say, listen, I know nothing about this, but I'm going to go Google it. I'm going to uh, do some research on it, and I'll get back to you. And I can't tell you how um, positively that level of candor and authenticity is received by the patients, you know? Yes, and yes, it's, refreshing. Well, it's, it's so funny because, uh, Susan, you haven't seen me, but um, you didn't even comment on my pink hair on Facebook. So, yes, I did. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, not on, not on the radio, but... Uh, oh, right. I, <laughs> well, it's not visual. <laughs> I know. Well, two, two weeks ago, I was uh, I was at an event in Tucson. A uh, uh, Medtronic Advanced Energy had their national sales meeting, and uh, I had decided that to um, honor uh, their leader, who's going through breast cancer, um, I, myself, and uh, Dr. Scarlett decided to join me. We... Um, supposedly had our hair tinted pink temporarily. Mine is still pink, mind you, um, not nearly as uh, ravenishly pink as his is, but it's still pink. <laughs> um, and, and we did it basically because they, they wanted to pink out the room, and um, this is someone whose leadership style I so choose to emulate in life. She's, a, she's an amazing woman. And, you know, the, my pink is temporary, just like baldness is temporarily, but I just decided that pink was the way I was going, and, and I, I, I pretty much rocked it. You did, but oh, I my gosh. No, I loved it. I mean, it looks beautiful on you. <laughs> and so um, on, last week I had a consult with um, a lovely couple um, who I didn't know, um, very conservative. And as I'm like an hour into this consult, because I, I don't see the pink in me because it's, it's, it's on my head. So I'm not looking in the mirror all the time to, to see that my hair is pink. And I'm thinking, okay, these people came. I'm a second opinion. And there I am with this like punk rocker pink hair. Right. And, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, and I'm like, I, so I, I said to them, oh, by the way, in case you were wondering about the pink, because I had to tell them the story, right. and I could almost, I could almost see the sense of relief. Right. Like, yeah. We just they drove. didn't want to ask, but it was like, we, we, we just drove a long distance to see you, and you right. have pink hair. Yeah, this is it's a not, serious matter. Right. No, no, no judgment about the pink, but I think you know it spoke to the the fact that you know I was totally forthright about it, and, and just kind of said, listen, this is how I roll. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I can't. I couldn't. I wasn't going to shave my head because that would take a little long for my hair to grow back. But yeah. you know, that's my level of commitment to what I do. Is that, you know what? Nobody and nobody thought it was odd for me to have my hair pink. They all thought it was crazy for Dr. Scarlett because he's like Mr. Totally Conservative. But uh, <laughs> it was. Um, 
you know, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to be an imposter with my pink hair. I was just, it actually has been kind of fun because people do um, have perceptions. And I guess a prominent, you know, well-known breast surgeon is not supposed to um, dye their hair pink. But you know what? I rocked it. I did it. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. I don't know that I'll, I don't know that I'll do it again because, you know, my hairdresser told me it was going to be three washings and it's been three weeks. So, um, and it's still with you. Uh, yeah, I'm still pink, but yeah. it's okay. You know, yeah. I yeah. like it. It's at least I didn't go like purple or green or, or you know, I, I have a reason for it to be pink. So yeah. Well, I don't. You know, I I would be surprised if you don't do something. You know, just as crazy in the future. It might not be yeah, pink hair. Know. It might be something else, right? You never know. But you know what? Here's the thing, Sue. We're all all of us are. We're all evolving, and. Uh, there's opportunities every single day that come in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you're pretending to be something that you're not, you may miss an opportunity. You may miss the opportunity for someone to see, you know, the truth in you. And uh, this is really, you know, this is really about living your passion and your purpose. And if you're, if you're in a job that you have to be an imposter or that you feel that you have to be other than who you are. And, you know, I joke, I, I torture our CEO all the time and, and say to him, listen, you picked me, you know. Whenever I'm being bold and, and, and kind of forthright about things, I'll say, listen, you chose to have me part of your health system. I said, this is, this is it. You know, take me or leave me because I am who I am. I can't, you know, I can't change how I, um, you know, I can't change how I do what I do because it comes from my heart. Like, I, I do what I do because it matters for patients. You know, I can't just operate on somebody and not address their lifestyle issues. I can't just, you know, take take someone through a breast cancer diagnosis and not talk about their opportunities to improve their life to try to keep their cancer from coming back and that's one of the beauties of of, uh it's it's one of the beautiful things about being part of this health system is that i've been given that opportunity to create this you know this integrative approach to not just breast cancer care but now to overall patient care and that is phenomenal that's something that i'm really excited about yeah you know um it, it is so much about you know kind of um being really being your your true self and i had a there were a lot of things i wanted to talk with uh judy about today and and one of the things i wrote down a testimonial that somebody had said about her because i think what you and i are discussing really pertains to her and why she was so successful and still is so successful and and he said her her methods and unconventionally fantastic i'm sorry her methods are unconventionally fantastic and productive which is due to her kind heart and keen perception. So in other words, you know, Judy is this this stellar connector and and has been really good at uh, building relationships with people because she is authentic and she has as much of an interest in helping others to find um, opportunities in business as she is in kind of growing her own business. And so because she is that way and she's true to who she is, people trust her. Right. It's such a key piece to success. But I think that's one of the reasons why I became successful is because I am, just as you and I are talking now, this is how I, this is how I communicate with my patients. You know, I, I may have an MD behind my name, but, you know, I'm still Beth Bachman who grew up in York, Pennsylvania, you know, the seventh of seven kids who understands what, you know, what makes people tick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... I'm actually very good at reading people. You know, I can I can read when somebody is coming from fear. I can read, you know, when when relationships are already kind of on the rocks and someone's going through cancer now. Like, I can see it in my patients, and that way I can help them, 
to get through the process better. And that's, you know, that's, that's probably the greatest gift is that, that gift of perception, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to, to be able to empathize and feel where they're coming from, because, you know, we're all, we're all doing this, we're all doing this dance, you know, and yeah. I think one of the saddest things is seeing people live very non-authentic lives where, you know, they, they just are putting this facade up and, and you might call it the imposter syndrome at work, but you know, a lot of people live that those lives where they, they're in the cookie cutter house and the, and the perfect driveway with a perfect lawn and supposedly the perfect kids. And, you know, when you, when you unzip it, you find out that there's really a lot of imperfection in there and it takes a lot of energy mm-hmm. to keep up the facade. It does. It does. Um, Beth, I wonder if you could tell, I would love to hear a, a, a patient's story, you know, a personal story about one of your patients who, for whatever reason, um, their own life story has really stayed with you. Um, obviously, you know, a woman who has battled cancer has, um, you know, as you, as you say, her, it's her journey, right? It's, it's, yeah. um, it's not something that's ever cured. Um, and just... You know, a personal story about one of the women that you've treated and why she has inspired you. Well, I, since Connie's story is on our website, I'm, I'm certainly uh, able to share it. Connie um, was in her 40s when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, she was lovely. And she had been to a surgeon in New Jersey. And she had absolutely no desire to get a second opinion. Um, but apparently three different people told her that she should see me. And... Um, after she came to see me, um, she was like, okay, now I know why they told me to come see you. Anyway, she, she did the cancer treatment thing. She, um, you know, on her list of opportunities for improvement, she needed to lose weight because her, her tumor was estrogen-driven. And she literally, she listened to, to what I had to say about lifestyle modification. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, she was absolutely um, phenomenal. She started to eat a healthy diet. She started to exercise and um, so she did the she did the, the the body part, and you know she got the mental part, the whole part about health and wellness, you know, making positive choices. Um, and uh, unfortunately, she um, you know she she went through her initial diagnosis, um, lost like 70 pounds, and just seemed to be like at the peak of her game. And um, it was fortunate yet unfortunate. She had uh, a lump, uh, a second lump that showed up a couple years later, and this necessitated more surgery and more chemo. Um, but what came out of the second diagnosis was really a what I call the spiritual healing. So she had, you know, she part of the you know this mind body spirit, and she had gotten the mental part and the body part, mm-hmm. but the spiritual part really hadn't kicked in. Mm-hmm. And um, with the second diagnosis, she um, utilized services from the HCF and uh, was able to, um, she did one of our retreats, um, one of our weekend retreats. We have one coming up in June. My sister's actually coming in to facilitate it from Australia. Um, and these reti- retreats are three-day intensive, um, really kind of getting to know who you are. And, you know, I think that these retreats are something that everybody should do. You shouldn't wait till you have cancer to spend three days um, figuring out who you are and, and what you're about. Um, but Connie uh, did the retreat and then, during that next year did a program called Create Your Life. And in that program, um, it was really about not seeing boundaries on anything and really visualizing exactly what you want from life, where you want to be, and how you want to do it. So on her vision board, she had uh, 
uh, created a space for um, health and wellness, um, personal health coaching. And um, she was uh, working out with us at, with the VMS with Vaughn Hebron in Newtown, and I would see her like every Monday and Wednesday. And um, I'm going to get her back there. I, I recently started back again, and I, I really missed Vaughn, but don't ever tell him because his ego doesn't need it, but I, I needed those <laughs> workouts. Um, but I, um, Connie had said to me like on a Monday night in December that uh, she loved the Create Your Life program and that what she figured out through that was that when her kids were done school, which wasn't going to be for like four years, um, she was going to use the, you know, the money she was no longer paying for tuition to um, do the School of Integrative Nutrition in Manhattan. And um, so I kind of found out about it, and, and it's, it's, a, you know, it's a one-year program. It's amazing. It's really it's not about being a dietitian. It's not about just nutrition. It's really about integrative nutrition, which looks at you know, how different foods react in our bodies, whether it's inflammation, um, whether it's immune boosting. It, it's, and it's really about this, you know, the whole process of helping, coaching somebody through, you know, becoming healthier. So anyway, found out about the program, um, and I went to the foundation board. And this is one of the things that's been amazing about the HCF is that, um, you know, I looked at this as an opportunity for us to be able to create a practitioner of their own right, you know, who's walked the journey of cancer. And um, anyway, what we did was we um, basically gave her a scholarship to go to school with um, the conditions that when she graduated, she needed to pay back the scholarship in the coaching sessions. So we were basically paying paying it forward. So um, she got accepted to school. She started that January got straight A's, graduated a year later, and uh, she's paid off her entire debt to the foundation for her, and then some, and now she's actually doing, um, new, you know, integrative nutritional life coaching. She's doing it for um, some of our patients through Holy Redeemer. She's doing it through a ton of patients um, through the foundation, and she heads up a group called the Wellness Warriors, which is really a phenomenal Group there, There's definitely um, power in numbers. And so she's heading up a group of breast cancer survivors who all have opportunities to improve not just their nutrition, but their physical wellness with exercise and their emotional and spiritual wellness. So it's not just about choosing raspberries over Reese's peanut butter cups. It's about, you know, understanding the triggers in your life that, that can create those weak moments and, and um using nutrition as a source of um, building you up and, and a, store, a source of creating wellness. And so Connie, to me, um, is one of our, you know, she's, she's just phenomenal. I, I, she's a personal success story for herself. She did this because, you know, she not only went through chemo once but twice, you know, went through breast cancer not once but twice. And, uh, you know, she did this to never get it again because she said, you know what, I – I, I look at the statistics. I can see that women that are obese have a 30, uh, greater than 30% risk of their cancer coming back if they don't change their lifestyle. Right. And she said, that, that's not going to be me. Now, you know, like I say, it doesn't guarantee that you can't get cancer again, but it guarantees that you can look in your kid's eyes and say, you know what? I changed my life. I did everything that I possibly could to be here for my kids. And I think that for her children, she's been a, a huge huge, you know, um, just role model. Um, she's certainly a, a wonderful role model for patients. Um, I admire her and just adore her for being who she is and being so honest through the process. She's never been, 
you know, she's never been that, an imposter. She's never been something that she, you know, and she's so down to earth. Um, and so to take someone through a cancer diagnosis um, and have that diagnosis so positively affect your life and create change not just in your lives but so many other people's lives, she's taking what she's taking what she got from this journey and she's turned it into her passion and mission in life. And to me, that, that makes that cancer diagnosis, you know, that opportunity for spiritual growth, for emotional growth. And so Connie is an amazing woman, and I just wish everybody got to meet her because she is um, she's a rock star. You know, it's a great story. And I love when people learn something, you know, she learned, she went on this journey and she learned something and she's turning it around and teaching it to others, which is always fantastic. You know, you keep referring to HCF and I want to make sure the listeners know that stands for um, the Healing Consciousness Foundation, which is um, Beth's foundation and, and has all kinds of wonderful resources and um, things for people who are um, on their own journey, on their own cancer journey. So um, she, that's a great story. I think we talked about her before, and I do love the fact that she's now, you know, turning around and, you know, trying to educate others um, from what she went through herself, especially that spiritual piece. Yeah, and I think that, to me, that was one of the, you know, what I got from all of that was, the you know, the first time through she learned about exercise um, she learned about nutrition for herself. You know, through her second journey, she learned about her spiritual healing and, and learning about the importance of forgiveness, um, you know, and the importance of letting go of certain things. And then she learned the skills to be a teacher, to become to become that life coach. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's right. And it, it's great because now, you know, Stacy, another friend from Workout, she's just completing that program um, in life coaching. She's a teacher by trade. That's what her day job is. Um, but she's, you know, an avid fitness buff. And now she's, you know, taken it one step further and said, you know what, you know, if I can teach and I can learn about nutrition, I can coach. And, you know, here's the deal. We we live in a society where I actually I popped up a slide that I uh, I'm presenting on uh, on Thursday night, and it's got it's got the statistics from um, the the prevalence of overweight adults over the age of 18. And, you know, from 1992 to 2005, we went to a place where more than 55% of um, Americans are, are overweight, meaning a BMI over 25. And, and now I believe it's almost 40% actually hit the obesity curve, which is a BMI mm, over 30. That's way too and, high. Way too and, high. Uh, and unfortunately, we, we live in a world where it's, we're fast-paced, we're technology-driven, um, people don't get up and move around. You know, the, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, obesity has become, you know, sitting is the new smoking. That was the, the quote that I got off, uh, off the, out of this book. Sitting is the new smoking is that we now have a health crisis that if we do not take control over this and learn that it's about the combination of, you know, it doesn't have to be vigorous exercise, but regular exercise, regular movement and, you know, appropriate nutrition if we don't change how we do what we do we're going to be in a healthcare. we already are in a healthcare crisis but we're not going to be able to you know to 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 have the resources to handle all of the health issues that are going to come about and i know i i i get a lot of you know grief about it at work here because everybody says yeah it's easy for you to say but you know what i don't it's not like i work a nine to five job and i punch a, a time clock you know i i work long hours and the thing is if you don't make yourself a priority in your life if you don't make your 
food, your nutri- nu- you know your, your nutritious self, your exercise self, and your stress reduction self a priority, nobody else is going to do it for you. And believe me, for years, I put myself way behind everything else. And I probably wasn't the healthiest. I, I was, as my trainer called me at the time, I was skinny fat because I was, I had absolutely no lean muscle mass. And I just wasn't taking the time to take care of me. But, you know, if, if anybody out there is listening, if you can do one thing, start to take care of yourself just for you because then you're better off to care for everybody else in your life. That's right. That's, I mean, that's, you know, the irony of it is that um, while technology and the Internet and all of that, you know, you're saying sitting is not good for you. At the same time, there's so much education and resources and coaches and, and there's just so much help out there. And it really is about asking for the help. None of us can do all of this tough stuff by ourselves. Um, so, you know, research and, and Google and see what the best thing for you would be to help um, getting you back on the road to recovery, or not recovery, but just good health, you know? Yeah, everybody's going to figure it out because population health management's the future. Yeah. You know, we, we, we have to learn to, you know, to manage wellness and to promote wellness instead of waiting to treat the disease. Yeah. Listen, we have one minute left. First of all, I want to thank you for being with me today. Um, it was unfortunate we didn't get to chat with Judy, but we will get her back on the show for sure on another day. And uh, for the listeners, again, we, uh, this is Women to Watch, and, and we were talking with Dr. Beth Dupree from Holy Redeemer Hospital, who always has great advice. Um, and always has something fun going on, and right now she has pink hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I, look, g- I look forward I'm- to chatting with you again next week. All right, and I'll post some of those great pink pictures on the site. Oh, do yeah, do so. And everyone, go please check out womentowatch.net for all the latest and greatest with this show. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>